Geopolitics and Empire is joined by David Fleming, the founder of the COVID Assembly, the Together Declaration, and most recently, Not Our Future. He's doing a lot of great work. Welcome to Geopolitics and Empire, David. Yeah, thanks, Ravi. Good to be on. Great to have you on. And, you know, we've been chatting for a while on the internets, and I think you first reached out to me. And again, you're doing a lot of great work, and I, I didn't know you were behind it initially i'm just curious how did you come across the geopolitics and empire podcast um i forget but it was it would have been you know like a year a year and a half ago maybe and probably i was looking up someone I, i'd already been listening to on something else and found them on you i don't know or it was suggested and i i just looked at it but it, it was it was probably somebody key but i can't remember who it was you know one of your like i don't know um I don't. I might be wrong, but Catherine Olsen's fits. Have you? You've no, I haven't heard? interviewed her. I've met no. her. I haven't interviewed her, but uh, yeah. I, you know, CJ Hopkins, Robin Monotti, uh, Piers Robinson, a lot of those folks uh, early on. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're and they're all signed on, but not our future as well. So it's like one of those, yeah. And then I probably stuck with you because I liked liked what you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for uh, finding me and. When I have a guest on for the first time, especially dealing with the topic that we're dealing with today, which is one of the main topics, because uh, I mean, I, I I had a guest, Hanna Maria, that I met here in Mexico recently, and she used the term in like a neo pharmacy, sort of like a neo imperialism. What's what, what's going on? And I really like that term. And so I wanted to get sort of your take, your perspective on what's going on on this new form of imperialism we're being subjected to under the guise of health and environment um these so-called pandemics and so-called you know weather right climate we're being subjected to the most tyrannical of control systems ever seen in the history of the world you know a digital global gulag how do you sort of interpret project or operation covid which began in 2020 and what has been going on yeah, well, yeah, it was quite key, really, sort of March 2020. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll give you a rough idea of where I come from. I mean, I am, like, we know that people have been trying to control the world for since it started, you know, um, forever. But we know also it sort of started ramping up around the turn of the last century, you know, and then, you know, all, the, all that stuff, the, the um Federal Reserve and you know the the institutions the the tax exempt institutions, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, you know um, from you know, and they were sort of like Cecil Rhodes, his round table thing and all that stuff, and then it seemed to sort of take off again. Well, obviously World War One, World War Two, like the League of Nations, um, the, the UN, etc. But it sort of took off with a new sort of. Um, urgency at the end of the 60s with all the you know the club of rome and and all that and then and so so from there there is a direct line it's like there's nothing broken it's a very direct line from that point at the end of the 60s but they had the um i'm going to forget all sorts of key terms here but you know the the research for the the limits to growth and then that led to basically the plan to turn the climate as our enemy and people as their own enemy so and everything from then like the 1992 um the rio summit and then the everything since then basically so it's basically you know agenda 2021 
and then agenda, no, agenda 21 and then agenda 2030. So it's, it's been a very, very straight, like a linear process all the way through. You can see what they've been doing. Um, so back in, and it didn't seem I'm so I wasn't you know I knew sort of all about this, but I I wasn't worried because it always seemed to be the current government always seemed to be kicking the climate thing down the road a bit. So they were you know probably every government that got in they were just happy to be in. Then they said oh let's kick that down the road a little bit. But then a lot of things happened at the same time in 2018. So the first thing that I became aware of was Extinction Rebellion. They said they were going to send people to prison. You know, that's what they're going to sort of start getting loads of volunteers going to prison. And that sort of just got me aware a bit. And then then Greta Thunberg turned up in about August 2018. And then uh, the midterm elections happened in the US that November. And Ocasio-Cortez sort of got in. And then all of a sudden, she had a little film that made her suddenly famous with her dancing thing. And then next second, she was talking about this Green New Deal. And um, and she was talking about crazy things like building a bridge to Europe and no flights ever again anywhere else, you know, anywhere, yeah, full stop. And that sort of shifted the Overton window. So that when people sort of started saying, oh, it won't be that bad, but it'll be, you know, this, you know, EVs, blah, blah, blah. That the Overton window had moved a bit, and now they were talking about this, the Green New Deal. And then the next thing that happened was, I forget exactly when it was, but later on, early in 2019, Theresa May uh, went on holiday to Italy, and she noticed that her, you know, it's all rubbish, but she noticed that, this is her story, the glacier in the town she was staying in, that she'd stayed in 30 years earlier or something, you know, previously, had, had shrunk, you know, and she went, oh, the climate, you know, we're all going to die. So she signed the UK up to um, net zero for 2050. And that was the, and that was finally, that was, I thought, oh my God, that's it. You know, it's not being kicked down the road anymore by the government. It's, uh, it's happening. And so I personally was trying to think what to do. Um, but when, when COVID hit in like March, like, March 2020, and they locked us down. I just knew that that was it. They knew they'd got traction. They were going with the climate thing. It was going to happen. It wasn't a kick down the road anymore. It was it, it was happening. Game on. So now they're like getting very cocky, and they've decided to sort of whack us on the head with COVID. And so you know, I use the analogy sort of from the word go. Like if they're beating you over the head and you're on the ground, they're beating you, and then. When they stop beating you and you stand up, you're just going to be happy to be in net zero, you know, because you're not being beaten about the head anymore. So I figured that that was what COVID was all about, was that they were beating us into the ground. And when we woke up and when they stopped hitting us, we'd just be happy to be in net zero. And pretty much that's sort of what's happening, really. Um, so so that's that's what I think of COVID. You know, I think it was the, the final thing to sort of really whack us into shape and um, get us prepared for a long term, like 100 years, 200 years of technocracy. <laughs> a quick shout out to our sponsors, which you can locate via the sponsor page on geopoliticsandempire.com or whose links are included in every podcast description. I've tried privacy phones in the past, such as Silent Circle's Black Phone, which turned out to be a dud. The best and really only option so far is de-googling your phone. 
Now, you can do it yourself, but I've never had the time to figure that out and simply got an above phone. They sell degoogled phones that come with a suite of software. They also provide support and a monthly above privacy suite with many features such as a unique phone number, encryption, email, VPN, and so forth. If you're looking for a private phone, check out Above Phone. Make sure to click on the Above Phone link on geopoliticsandempire.com or via the podcast description so that we can enjoy a commission. Also, check out the Nomos Time Bank at nomos.net, which you can download in Spanish or English to your Apple or Google or de-Googled phone. Nomos allows people in your community to exchange services using time as a currency rather than fiat money. This will be one great way to survive in the coming algorithm ghetto. If you need health insurance, you can talk to my friend James Guzman of the Borderless Blog Podcast and Health Insurance. He offers free consultations. Simply schedule a time with him over at borderlesshealthinsurance.com. Finally, you can donate directly to Geopolitics and Empire Consult with me, the host, or become a member to join private monthly member Zoom calls where we shoot the breeze discussing world events. You see, this is why I like to ask this question over and over again, because I think your explanation again. So, you know, I've got the limits. I've got the original limits to growth book. You can see right right there behind me, those those blue books from Club of Rome. Um, Mm -hmm. But the way you just painted that picture again i think it's very unique and some of those details right before COVID, 2018 19 some of those developments um i hadn't put it together the way that you did and it's it kind of crystallizes things as you kind of explained it this trajectory that we're all familiar with and i like how you said they kept i a lot of us thought that as well you know we learned about the new world order we thought you know it was way off in the distance you know they kept kicking the can down the road you know bush in the 1990s talking about nwo the 2000s the 2010s and then bam 2020 like it's actually happening like no joke uh anymore and yeah it seems like as you said the, the climate technocratic thing is the main thing they just needed a catalyst which was the whole health uh, issue. Catherine Austin Fitz uh, actually gave a good interview that was posted yesterday that said they took all of our pension funds. And um, so that means that by default means they they need to reduce the population or impoverish us and, you know, bring the, bring the system down and then bring in these controls. But, um, you know, let's talk about what they're doing next, which is trying to do this cashless, society and i i call it algorithm ghetto it's cashier society coupled with digital id which equals like social credit system um there was a clip floating around from china this week where a guy goes and says look it's so great you use the vending machines no more cash the shops no more cash it just scans your face or your palm and who could resist this and then he goes on to say um you know it just scans your face which is linked to your online account like paypal well, less than less than a year ago, the Department of Homeland Security banned me for PayPal for no reason, just for being anti-war, uh, you know, just for a thought crime. So now I can't pay with my face for anything. And now I'm locked out of the system. I'm going to die. I'm going to starve to death. How is that cool? Uh, you know, how is that cool? So if you want to uh, talk a little bit about how you see, you know, it's uh, they're talking about central bank digital currencies. Every country is going to implement them here in Mexico. They're preparing in, in a year or two to roll out the uh, digital peso so uh, how do you see these developments well yeah well i mean you know um it's a very wide topic but obviously they want that 
control grid in place, you know. Um, and again, like Tony Blair, like in in 1997 or whenever it was, was talking about he want he or was no, it was probably 20, 2001 too, around the you know start of the terrorism stuff. He wanted digital IDs, so he was pushing for that. And it's 20 years later, he's still pushing them. But again, like I was saying earlier, things got kicked down the road. And um, whereas now you can see it's all, they're, they're, they're all sort of circling, aren't they? They're, they're getting things ready. They're really going for it. There's adverts in newspapers or on the government website in the UK advertising for like the digital currency, um, this like central bank digital currency, you know, manager you know that the jobs are being advertised now that's actually you know happening it's not just something they're talking about you know a year or so ago like mark carney or somebody was talking about looking into it and researching it and that sort of stuff now they're actually advertising for the jobs so it's obviously happening happening and now i, I mean i was encouraged maybe about a year ago when people maybe like half Olsen's face were talking about it it's five years away but i don't think it's five years away anymore i think it's it's closer than that um and it's 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 really ramping up. So and they've been every everything like all the all the rumors and conspiracies are are coming true. Like you know things like UBI. Um, now this this manufactured energy price prices. I mean I don't know what your bills are in Mexico, but over here I don't even know what my bill is because I've sort of ignored it. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get a horrible. I've literally no idea. But but. Back in September, when Liz Truss was around briefly as prime minister, everybody was talking about, you know, the bills are going to be so high. It's going to be like the same as, as your rent now. So it's like, it's not just an additional little bill. It's going to be like, like your rent. And um, so like businesses were going to close. People weren't going to be able to afford the heat of houses. So Liz Truss says, okay, we're going to pay X amount towards your bills. So you'll be fine. Now that's that sounded like great news, like oh wonderful, but it's problem reaction solution, isn't it? I mean, the problem was created by them in the first place, and now we're getting handouts from the government that we have to rely on the government. So that's basically a form of UBI, isn't it? You know, it's like it's an extra thing we rely on the government. So you can just and obviously furlough during COVID got us got everybody used to getting money for nothing. Um, so you can just see how UBI can will happen. I mean, this this. There's loads of places trialing it as well. There's lots of trials going on. So, then, and the next thing you know, you're going to have um, well, the bigger push because because CBDCs and UBI, you know, they, that's instantly you're going to have to have a digital ID for that. So there's this, I mean, everything. There's digital ID, CBDCs, and universal basic income are going to be like all in one thing, but you can see how it's happening. They're all the, all the things being put in place and like, that's basically what they want. And then that's the trouble. You see, that's, that's what I'm really panicking about because that's end game. If we get there, it's all over for, I don't know, you know, generations, you know, so, so exactly, you know, literally, I don't know. Well, I've got my plans, you know, but <laughs> I, uh, we have to stop that happening because I, you know, um, I'm, Obviously, you know, people are waking up, but the idea is we just have to get more and more and more people to do it. I mean, you've seen, you know, it's going to be interesting because, you know, you know, the immigration um, that's in the UK, but it's all, it's, you know, it's been a big thing for five, 10 years, but it's getting, you know, much more, you know, um, 
immediate now. But in the in Ireland, it's just starting to take off, and the Irish people are really pushing back against it. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because it's that's a sort of a people power thing. It's, so if will people react the same way to you know central bank digital currencies? But they probably won't because it's not as an immediate. People don't understand it. They think. I mean, the average person you see them talking that they think central bank digital currencies are just paying your bill with your phone. You know, they they just think it's e money. You know, they think it's just moving your money around. They don't realize that it's it's not money as they know it. It's it's a completely different thing. Like you, yeah, you just gave me a thought what I hadn't thought about before with bringing in this mass migration. Uh, I mean, even here in Latin America, from countries of lower. Uh, with more poverty, lower economic status, who are coming into Mexico and other places, the, the people, you know, these migrants, people who don't have money, they're going to be much more likely to accept UBI and CBDCs because they don't have anything. And then for their near term survival, it will make sense, you know, to, 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 uh, sign up to this stuff. And, you know, just even here in Mexico, I was reading yesterday in the newspaper that they're rolling out UBI type projects very disguised uh, you know they're starting with like the elderly giving you know basically free money or or, or benefits in in digital cards so it's happening in every single country and um i probably don't want to mention my energy bills because they're so low being uh for now here in mexico is like five ten bucks a month you know electricity and water i always mention that I, i'm still amazed it's so low but i know in other parts of the world people are hurting and yeah i agree with everything that you're talking about but you know going one step further something you've been working on with your activism the 15 minute city so this is an, yet another aspect of all of this and it's it's unbelievable uh i mean it's really shocking and it's in oxford i've been reading now scotland is interested ireland and again i see these sorts of developments as well here in in mexico i live in a is in a smart a rockefeller founded funded smart city here in guadalajara mexico it's a resilient city our governor is a de facto globalist um and you know a lot of these politicians are captured samuel garcia who's the, of the same political party as as my governor who's up in nuevo leon he was just in davos meeting with klaus schwab he's invited him to nuevo leon he said he wants to get rid of cars in nuevo leon He's tried to put laws where if you insult him online, this is a form of social credit, um, you go to jail for 36 uh, um, hours and, and get a fine. So again, th these politicians are being captured in every single country. And, and I don't care what people say. In Russia, it's the same thing. In China, Xi Jinping, I was just reading in foreign policy, he's got his own personal initiative, city, um, where he's rolling out uh, a city brain data center where 90% of transport is going to be public transport, which means Xi Jinping is going to get rid of most people's cars. Uh, they're going to have the foreign policy magazine said 5G powered um, autonomous vehicles. So Xi Jinping and Putin are not going to <laughs> save us. And so your your thoughts on these, uh, what they're doing with these 15 minute cities. Yeah, well, now I, when I first launched our Oxford event, which was to leaflet every single home in Oxford in one day. Um, I I said, you know, by you know, strictly speaking, there's nothing wrong with a 15 minute city. You know, like I had two young children at one point, and it would have been nice to work and walk to the park and everything within a 15 minute city. You know, it's nothing wrong with it per se. 
But if you're being forced at gunpoint to do it, you know, and obviously with what we know is the threat that we would be locked in it, we, you know, you know, ultimately, that's the problem. So um, I was attacked online by, you know, our own side in the UK for saying that, saying, oh, he's a controlled opposition. He wants 15-minute cities. But th that was a telegram, you know, reaction. And um, since then, I've spoken to dozens and dozens of people who all say the same as me. You know, yeah, well, it'd be great to walk around, you know, everything would be fine, you know. So, so strictly speaking, you know, I'll still go on the record as saying I've got nothing against 15-minute areas if it, was, if it meant it was all nice and it was the public wanted it, it was designed by the public, blah, blah, you know, all that. Whereas obviously this isn't because, like I was just saying, the Club of Rome, Limits to Growth, UN, uh, Agenda 30, Agenda 21, Paris Agreement, um, everything. So when when um, Agenda 30 was, was, you know, well, 21 was rebranded as 2030, the next year um, that the UN announced, the, the published the UN, uh, what's it, the, the New Urbanization Agenda or something like that. And in that, it was the sort of the first, you know, um, seeds of smart cities. And then another year or two later, the like 2017, the, the, it had already been in existence, the, um, I forget what it's called again, but like all the, the mayors, the, the big mayors of the country, of the world, you know, the mayors of the big cities have a, have a, a group. It's, it's, it sounds spooky. It's like the covenant of mayors of, you know, it sounds a bit, you know, evil. And, um, and they, they got, Arup, which is like a think tank, and the University of Leeds to make a report for the C40 cities. Oh, yeah, it was C40 cities that existed already, but they sort of re regrouped and published this report in 2019, which which is that which is that report that has there are two types of targets: their ideal, their their sort of reasonable target, and their ideal target. And like the re the Let's look at the ideal targets. The ideal target for car ownership in their cities is zero. The ideal meat consumption in their cities is zero. And the ideal number of new items of clothing that you have per year is three. You know, it's like a pair of shoes and two pairs of socks. That's it. You know, um, I forget the car one, but the, the, their, their reasonable target for meat consumption in their cities per person per month I worked out was one quarter pounder a month. That's what they think is reasonable, you know? Like that's that's their sort of boring, boring, boring target. So so this is what they're all signing up to all these cities. Um, and then that was 2019. Then in 2020, Arup themselves started proposing, you know, writing reports on the website, having posts on the website about 15 minute cities. And that covenant of mayors again um had Part of their, you know, stuff was uh, built. It's a mid twenty twenty, you know, just when lockdowns are happening, and Klaus Schwab is releasing his book. They say build back better with fifteen minute cities, you know. So it's all linked in with all the, the great reset. The book that was published, Prince Charles launches it. They're talking about fifteen minute cities. That's very same summer, and then the next year, twenty twenty one, Paris announces that they're going to be the, you know, a fifteen minute city. So that was like a big deal. And and then 2022, Oxford, you know, do it, um, announced they're going to do it. So, but now, you know, if if you look now, like literally every town, you know, like just 
that every day there's another town that's saying they're going to be a 15 minute city. So suddenly all this is happening all at the same time. Surprise, surprise. Now, if you look, um, Ben Pyle, who I who I know, who who I work with a little bit, he's um, he did a good. I was attacked by the BBC. BBC trending, it's called. It's like the BBC is disinformation um, spin-off. Like their stuff is still put on the BBC website, but it's it's done by this little team who specialise in attacking people like us, and um, they're funded. A lot of their f- well, well, no, they're not funded directly. They're they're they work closely with a group called ISD, who are like think tank who specialise in structuring how to attack people, you know, for misinformation, you know, that kind of thing. So the BBC Trending work closely with them. And that ISD, they're funded by Christopher Hone, who's a hedge fund billionaire from the UK. Now, he is, so he's, you know, he's, he's a billionaire, and he puts all his money into his own private foundation called the CIFF, which is the Children's, I forget, Investment Fund, something like that. Um, officially it's to help children around the world but like he wants to protect children like from climate change and covid and you know all of that you know he probably thinks children should live in 15 minute cities and all that kind of thing so basically he he funds so he funds the that group who helped the bbc attack people like me but at the same time he funds the c40 cities and uk 100 and uk 100 is a is an organization, you know, a charitable organization, which helps local councils in the UK. Like the UK is comprised of 364 local councils, you know, and each, so each of those has about 100, you know, 200,000 people in it. And so the UK 100 is signing up all the councils in the country. Um, they've got 100 now. Um, I mean, obviously they're called UK 100, but then they've got 100, but I assume they still want to get 364, but they're signing them up to be to reach net zero. So a council will, you know, publish the fact that oh, we're aiming for net zero by 2030 or 2040 or whatever, and that so this UK 100, they actually have staff who go into the councils and sit down, you know, in a in an office and they have a desk and they work with the council to ensure they are on track to do net zero. So. Part of that race to net zero for these councils um, is obviously to set up these 15-minute cities Um, because everybody who has announced that they're doing the 15-minute city or they plan doing it, you know, in the near future, they're already signed up to this UK 100 thing. Um, So it's obviously, you know, part of the whole plan. So it's, it's, um, you know, again, you can see exactly step by step the plan is in, in place and it's been implemented and executed and it's happening. And so you can't deny it. I mean, Oxford, we announced that we were going to leaflet every home in Oxford with a, our leaflet. And the thing is, we won't be just talking about, you know, oh, it's inconvenient and it's bad. We're talking about Agenda 30 and climate hoax. And you know, we're, we're sort of going everything. We want the people to know the truth, not dressed up, you know, and sugar, sugar-coated. So we announced we were doing that. So Oxford, in, 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 Oxfordshire Council immediately released a video saying that, you know, oh, people are, because there's conspiracy theories out there, you know, this is all rubbish. It's just for traffic, you know, we're only trying to f- cure, cure the traffic problems. But the guy, 
uh, Councillor Enright, who is in charge of all this, he's in charge of transport, he's, he's the, the person at the front of this, he did, he actually did mention 15-minute cities and he did mention the climate, you know, in early days before he knew it was a big, you know, you know, problem. Um, so they are on record as saying that, that it is 15-minute cities and it's for the climate. But now they're just saying, oh, no, it's only for traffic, you know, it's a conspiracy. So, so again, there's a direct line you can see from Club of Rome, you know, um, limited growth, agenda 30, and 15-minute cities. You know, it's all a thing. So the fact that these are all springing up isn't a coincidence. It's exactly the same as, um, you know, everything else, COVID, everything, you know, it's like the, it's, it's, it's planned and they're, they're making it happen. And it's, you know, they're doing a fairly good job so far. So it's not an organic thing that's just sprung up thinking, oh, this would be really nice to live 15 minutes from everything that you, because I mean, there's probably hundreds of, or even thousands of 15 minute cities around the world already by accident, or maybe Sweden have done some deliberately, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and again, the 15 minute cities could be, a place could be a 15 minute city for one person, but their next door neighbor, it mightn't be, because one person might have everything they want, and the other has to go into London to commute, you know, work and stuff. So again, it's you know, it's it's not that. It's literally they want to have us all in these zones, and probably they do want to get everything for us in there eventually. You know, over twenty years, so that when they do lock us in, you know, uh, we we're not starving, and so we're not going to get. That's the thing. I mean, a lot of people have said, you know, that they're going to starve us, you know, the food shortages. But I never thought that because then people would really rebel, wouldn't they? But if, if there's food shortages, then you have to turn to the government for, you know, supplies. Then you're relying on the government again. It's, it's a bit like UBI. So that's what I think. I, I don't think they're um, going to make life terrible for us because well, I, people I, I, think, <laughs> I think initially, though, I think it, later it would become like a Soviet system where you got to wait in a huge line for hours to get your food. And then your only option is the food that they give you with who knows what they're putting in it, you won't have the option to, you know, eat uh, organic. And I, I, I would agree with you what you said earlier that, and you know, I've had this follow philosophy as a young man that there's a, how would you say, like a, a thoughtful way when it comes to the environment. Like, yes, we should take care of the environment, not pollute the water, take care of the trees, all of this stuff. But that's completely divorced from this whole CO two climate uh, man made oh, yeah. man made uh, warming thing. And I would agree that, you know, having a naturally organically developed and thought out 15 minute city optional for people who want to live in there. Uh, maybe at some point you'll want to leave. You'll want to go live in a more rural area. That's fine. But what we're talking about, they're selling it as it's, I mean, it's a completely different thing. It's a prison. It's basically a prison. You'll be locked in. And then I'm reading about the Oxford cities where you can only leave a hundred times a year. And then if, uh, so like and, and in many cities like where i live family and friends live way on the other side of the city and so if mm -hmm. i if they implemented where i am here i would not be able to see you know let's say you, you my mother or father or friends or family after a hundred trips and then they're putting these obstacles so uh you you can't go out uh, like in the oxford and then i, I read today that th they're saying for now they're going to remove some of those obstacles on the streets and that they're the, the the council members are saying they'll have a camera which will fine you. I mean, it's the same principle. So if we're in a caster system and you go for your hundred and first visit to your mom, 
um the camera will find you it could be an ungodly amount uh and then you know they just take away all of your savings just because you're visiting your mother i mean this is uh crazy i mean a- a- any further um <laughs> yeah well well, well go on the oxford thing it it's so it's like it's like a wheel you know a center and then spokes and you're not allowed to go from one of the wedges into another wedge it could be the wedge right next next to it so it could be a two-mile trip but you're not allowed to do it you have to go out to the edge of town around a ring road which is going to be busy it's already busy now it's going to be even more busy then because everybody have to do it and then back in again so what could be a, a 10 minute quick trip around the leafy suburbs um it could be an hour on a busy motorway so first of all it's not environmentally friendly is it so the that that's obviously that's straight away a giveaway that they don't want us to have cars so they don't want us to make trips it's not that they're trying to reduce um the traffic inside so but it's sort of worse because it's a hundred days a year um but like a lot of families have built up their whole life like you could have a divorced couple with kids and they're going back and forward two or three times a day and now they can't do that or you know because that doesn't count with your hundreds like a hundred that's only like once every three days what if you want to do two trips a day or you to take your kids to school drop your kids to your grandparents, your, your parents after school, you know, and, and all that clubs, going to clubs, friends' houses, all that sort of stuff. It's all going to disappear. There'll be, and there'll be no sort of spontaneity. You won't have like, just do something on the spur of the moment with some friends, go to the park to play ball, which is 15 minute drive away. Um, whereas it's, you won't do it if it's an hour and a half on a busy motorway. Um, so it's just going to ruin daily life, but it, but it all, already is because, this is for the whole of Oxford, but there's already what you were talking about earlier with the obstacles. There's already low traffic neighbourhoods all over England, um, London, but Oxford has them as well. And so that Oxford has, I forget, but like about five or six local uh, low neighbourhood, uh, low traffic neighbourhoods, which is the same principle. They've blocked off roads that you're not allowed to go down um, unless you've got a permit. And if you don't have a permit, you have to go onto a bigger road and go around it. So the idea is officially that it makes the area that's, you know, the area that's controlled nicer to live in. It's like safer for cyclists or whatever, you know, or it's not as noisy. But it's decimating local businesses. And it's having the same effect that, you know, I just mentioned about, you know, the quality of life, you know, just spontaneity or helping family and all that kind of stuff. So it it is. and that, But it was like a trial, just you know, and now they've said, let's do it everywhere. And it'll just happen, you know, everywhere. But it's it's like anti-human, basically, you know. And the 100 days thing, that's if um, – I may be wrong. I keep forgetting. But that's a, that's per household. So if you've got, like, you know, two-car family, you know, you've only got 50 days each. And what's to say, they, you know, there's a news report or a, a think tank says, oh, the, you know, climate in Oxfordshire needs to be, you know – we need to fight it even more. So we'll reduce it to 50 days, you know, 30 days. And then the day, like when lockdown, you know, if, if there was another COVID lockdown, like if the same thing happened again, we'd, um, they can just instantly enforce and say, like, no days, right? That's it. Boom. You know, at this stage. And then who knows what it's going to be like in 10, 20 years time. I, I got, I, I got a taste of it. Living in the former Soviet Union in Kazakhstan, when all of this happened in 2020 and most people live in these apartment complexes um i mean some people have homes in in, in you know other parts of kazakhstan but uh, you don't have as much freedom especially when you live in an apartment complex 
and they locked us down. It was like literally dystopia. I feel like this is what it would be like. They gave us a card, the Kazakh government authorities, and the card said that you can only leave your home, your abode every other day. So one day, no one, you cannot exit your apartment at all. It's crazy. Like, what if you have a health issue and you get some fresh air? You can't leave. And then the next day, only one person with the card from the household may leave, may exit the apartment complex and go to the pharmacy bank or um, supermarket to buy food. I mean, what about other stuff? Like my kid needed shoes. Uh, you know, my kid was growing. She should, we literally didn't have shoes. And it's like wintertime in Kazakhstan. Like, what the heck? Can't go buy shoes. She's she's barefoot in minus 30 degrees. Like, and you're taking care of, it's taking care of my health. We had to like somehow find that Instagram, someone selling a Kazakh person selling shoes on Instagram. And they came to our house with a bag full of shoes so we could find a, a, a pair for our kids. Like, this is total Kafka-esque insanity. And this is what they want. And then there were police patrols. There were like in three uh, Kazakh police walking around all the apartment complexes in the night. Uh, the, the 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 cops would come blaring with the lights and and um with the loudspeakers telling everyone to get back in the apartments. I'm like, this was total like dystopian sci-fi horror that I was living, and it, it kind of be like what what you're talking about. Like one day you can't leave, and then the other, yeah, they can easily say 50 days or 25 days. Uh, they can just if we just accept this idea, we're toast, and then they can just adjust the uh you know barometer. Um, I did want to ask you about, and I like the work that you're doing. You're out on the street, putting these pamphlets out uh, physically into people's hands. Um, if you want to let us know, what are your principal uh, initiatives? Is it now currently not our future? Uh, and so tell us about what you're doing. And then I, is there any way people can you know help or support your uh, activism? Yeah, well, um, like, because I, you know, I, when I, I was saying when I wanted to do something about climate, you know, when Theresa May signed us up to net zero and all that, I decided that the only way to do it was to get information to the public. So I was just thinking literally every home in the country would get a, a leaflet in the door, like ideally every week on the topic, you know, reacting to what the government was saying, because everything else is controlled, you know. Um, I mean, like I was saying earlier, I was attacked by um, – Christopher Hone, basically, he's a billionaire. But yesterday, um, I'm going to ramble now. <laughs> yesterday, I got a, a right to reply from a, a journalist from a group called Open Democracy. Now, they did me a year ago for COVID-19 assembly stuff, you know, with Claire Craig and Francis Hoare. I, I think they're fine finance as well, Open Democracy, probably by the usual suspects like Soros. Oh, no, I, I, I know exactly who. I can tell you now because that's my whole point. Is um, So they get £3 million a year. That's their budget. That's how much funding they get. And it's funded, most of it, it's all funded by the usual suspects. I mean, 75% of it comes from Alan Clark from Oak Foundation, the Omidyars, um. For, and, and George Soros, basically. Then there's a, they get some money from the Ford Foundation, some money from Rockefellers, and some money from other families who I assume are just the same, but I didn't bother researching them. But um, so they get 75% of the money comes from those three key people, you know, three billionaires who all, who all want to, basically, they're doing the job. They're, they're, they're attacking people like me 
to prevent these billionaires. I, I was just thinking, you know, literally today, um, these billionaires, okay, they're billionaires, but maybe they don't want to spend their money on this, but they could be getting their money from black ops, you know, because like, you know, the 21 trillion that disappeared that Captain Austin Fitz says, you know, <clears throat> there's so much money offshore under black ops, you know, they can do whatever they want. So they might give the Omizeros two billion to give out to people. You know, it's like money laundering. Um, and they say, oh, okay, yeah, that suits me. Um, but either way, so if, we're, the Omidyars, that's what my point was, they're particularly interested in local news, uh, which is quite worrying, you know, because lo local people are turning away from, <clears throat> you know, you know, the mainstream media and they're looking more locally. So, so they want they want to sort of double down and start influencing local media because people might start learning the truth, uh, especially like for coming up to elections and stuff. So, um, so basically, my idea had always been to get the information out to the public, you know, on the doorsteps in the houses. <clears throat> in an ideal world, every week we'd be doing something, some topic like CBDCs, UBI, you know, net zero, everything, um, and. So when I set up COVID-19 Assembly, um, if you ever look at my website for it, you'll see I've got these graphics done for the website, <clears throat> and they're all about people out, out in the street talking to people or, you know, exhibitions, you know, getting the information to the public. And that's what I wanted to do with Together when we set Together up. I wanted Together to be basically what not our future is, but the people, the other people involved didn't want to go beyond vaccine passports at the time, whereas I wanted to get into the, the whole sort of you know, anti-agenda 30 thing. <coughs> so that's basically what we're doing. We're just getting the information out there. Now, we used 15-minute cities as, as an example of what we can do. We can go out and deliver leaflets. But what I want to do is I just want to do it all over the world. You know, I want everybody, <coughs> like every town in the world to have a team who could go out. We'd release a PDF of a new leaflet, and then people would get it printed. They might know a printer locally who could do the print for free or just divvy it up and print a few each, you know, anything, and just get it out there. Like every week, like we could have fixed things every couple of weeks, but we could have something where we react to something that's going on this week. So that's 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 what I want not our future to be. But also on top of that, <clears throat> you know, we do want to start getting a bit more active. So as people sign up to the idea and get involved, the only way we're going to stop all this is by taking some sort of direct action, you know, like, I mean, let's, you know, okay, it's 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 a big, crazy goal, but, you know, all our representative politicians are, you know, corrupt, basically, <coughs> or afraid to speak out. Either way, it's just as bad. And they're being influenced from above, you know, and they're giving all our power and money up that way. And we just need to cut that off somehow and however we do it we have to do it and i think we have to do it quite quickly you know um <clears throat> i don't know i mean i don't know if i mean there's you know the, the us and uk elections are coming up in two years time and that you know if, if they go the wrong way we've got another four or five years of hell and who knows what can happen in that time so uh, you know i mean if people want to help just just come to notourfuture.org and see what we're promoting that week you know um i mean i do want to launch something in the next 
week or two on that sort of political thing to try and do something. I mean, I've, I've got a few ideas in mind of how to sort of spark a bit of interest in people stopping, you know, this the blob from affecting us, you know. <clears throat> yeah, it's, right. it's, I mean, as you said, yeah, it's, uh, it's, the hour is late. Um, many people I talk to, I mean, it's, it's obvious they're, they're coming hard and fast and their time is really running out. And, um, and I agree with you, like, I resist this with every fiber of my being and every which way that I can. But at the same time, I mean, I have a more doomier outlook. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm fighting to the death, uh, willing to face economic ruin and, and, and even death, but it's like that Sparta, you know, movie 300 thing where you fight, uh, regardless of what the outcome will be. But at the same time, what you alluded to earlier, like you had plans, uh, and, and I would like to have like a, a sort of plan B to fall back on where if this stuff advances, uh, I do still have to, you know, if we do lose or battles going forward, how do we survive within such a dystopian system? And there's just, there's a lot of people, um, some of them are plan B's some, you know, they've, they've run for the Hills already, uh, built farms, uh, or, or starting local networks, barter networks time banks like my sponsor nomos time bank uh or uh stuff like this and do you, do you have any thoughts on sort of parallel structures or and some people say this is useless but in soviet times there were parallel structures and societies as forms of surviving uh you know the, the, these sorts of tyrannies uh what are your thoughts on ways to prepare and 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 survive in such systems yeah and um, well it's sort of two things I, I i mean i sort of want to keep fighting until the last second you know <clears throat> and then if we lose definitely like if the if cbdc's ubi and digital ids come in together linked to you know you know vaccines and stuff that's sort of the end of that round you know and then the game changes and after that, I think probably more people would go, oh, my God, you were right, you know. And then we'd have to work on a sort of more sort of covert networking things to fight. So, so and I, I don't know, I haven't imagined how that would go yet, you know, because I'm still focused on this, this plan. And I don't have any plans to do anything myself because I, I don't have any resources. <laughs> um, I mean, building alternative ways, I mean, I mean, that's good in that you know, like alternative health systems and stuff. Because like Tess Laurie, who's, you know, signed up with us, she, um, she's, you know, she's been promoting um, like her, her World Council for Health. She wants to have an alternative NHS, you know, a different health system. And because the NHS, before it was the NHS, like a big centralized system, it was all local hospitals. So a local hospital would be paid for by, you know, wealthy you know, benefactors or unions or people pay subscriptions, and it would be a functioning hospital. You know, it worked. You know, you know there was nothing wrong with it. Um, so she's she's rolling out a system like that, so people would do that themselves. And and I mean, so if we meanwhile, you know, we're trying to do the fight, but if we were building up alternative systems, uh, I, I'm linked to another. Like Richard Werner, he's he's got um he's great, yeah. Yeah, he 
he's a like a chairman and an advisor to a new startup which is all about um local local banking you know so um so it'd be like a network of local banks <clears throat> and they just do what banks used to do like in the old days like they give loans to local people local businessmen to build houses to build businesses and that's what banking was about in those days i mean banking isn't anything like banking back in those days so and if if they work and they're successful and then you can point to them and you can say so instead of like crazy ideas you actually say to somebody oh no there is a thing like that and it does work and these people say it's much better so people can go to it and then maybe eventually we can just let the others die off you know and wither away because no one uses them anymore so yeah but and we could also do the same with you know alternative government so we could set up an alternative government which has no power but we just i'm just thinking off the top of my head <laughs> um just show what decisions we would make with this current things happening and and people say oh yeah that sounds like a very sensible idea it's pity you're not in power you know that kind of thing and then we say well we could be in power if if, if you got behind us you know so so rather than just talk, you actually make something and then show people that it's better and then maybe it can take over from the existing thing. And then that would, that would all play in to any other changes that we wanted to make, like changes to government and things. But, yeah, so, yeah, well, I mean, I hope I answered your question, but the game will change when we lose. And, you know, I don't know, I don't know what we'll do. But it'll it'll probably be different than what we're trying to do now, which we're trying to use the things we have um control of now to, to take back control from the, the powers that be. But see what happens later. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with what you say. The number one weapon is compliance, and uh, it, we just have to pull our all in large numbers, pull our money from these companies disengage even from local governments uh wherever you are here in mexico or uk europe usa australia stop doing complying with them and getting together with local people and doing other stuff i mean that will put political pressure um on the governments and so and i saw a clip yesterday someone who was successful in some political action in the u.s who said the only thing that works is po political pressure on the politicians and then enough people do it they will stop or change um or fail and so that's our first uh this is stage one this is what we do not complying that doesn't work as you said we're going to advance to stage two it's going to be a whole new ball game um so yeah interesting times uh, any final then thought for us uh as well uh all, all of the links will be in the description but um again any final thoughts and and, and best website uh for people to to, to go to well, our, our website's notourfuture.org. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, we just have to keep getting the information out to the people. And and the people have to, you know, just start to take part. I mean, what, yeah, one final thought. that This is the key thing. I've spent the last year building up Not Our Future and getting it ready for launch and everything. And But one thing one person said to me was um, he just kept going on about the word attention. Like it's where your attention is. That's what's he, he's into, like he, the Zen Buddhism and stuff. But he was just talking about attention, and he said it so often that it went into my head, you know. And then I thought, well, hang on, we, yeah, what well, it is about attention. I mean, that's sort of indirectly was what I was always doing, but just knowing that word. But it's attention now, not our future. 
the word not, lots of people said, oh, that's a negative word, you know. Um, and, well, it's just the negative times, you know. I mean, if, if, you, if, if you're if you called la, 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 let's have a nice future, people just won't even think about it. The not gets people's attention. They say, what do you mean not our future, you know? And then you explain that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't explain that. The whole point of not our future is that there's that dystopian future that's been built for us right now. And if we don't do anything, it'll happen. And we want to say that's not our future, and we're going to do the other thing, whatever it is. We're not laying out what it is because that would make us fascists as well. So, um, but humanity can decide for themselves, not this little clique of you know technocrats and psychopaths. Um, so that's what the not and not our future is all about: is to focus people's attention and make them think, "Oh, hang on, yeah, we don't want that. We want this, you know, or anything, anything but that." It's just, and I, I, I liken it also to, you know, people say, oh, don't focus on the negative, focus on the positive. But it's like if you're a, in a boxing match, like world heavyweight boxing, you're not, you're not thinking about the prize. If you're thinking about the prize, you're not going to win. You're thinking about that person right in front of you and you have to hit them. So your attention's on the, the, the negative, you know, and the, the positive will come once you've dealt with that. So, I mean, that's, that's sort of the way I look at it, and, you know. <laughs> that, that's that's actually been my philosophy, and you know, some people mistake it as um, a black pill, but it's like, no, it's like it's a, we're raising the alarm to get people's attention to do something. The situation is bad. What, wake up, you know, the neighbor's house is on fire, and we got to deal with this imminent threat. And if we don't, we're comp- <laughs> we're screwed. Uh, and so no more, you know, La La Land, no more, as you said, U- utopia, our future, because people won't care. They'll think, oh, okay, things are going to pan out. Uh, no, it's like danger, da- you know, danger, danger. Uh, and so, um, all right, uh, great chat, gr- great work you're doing. And um, again, I'm going to include all of your links um, in the description and I hope people follow and support uh, your uh, initiative, not our future and COVID assembly and other stuff. And thank you for being on Geopolitics and Empire, David. No, it was great. Thanks, Emilio. I hope you enjoyed this Geopolitics and Empire podcast. The website is geopoliticsandempire.com, and I encourage you to sign up for the free email list that goes out with each podcast and every weekend with a collection of news headlines. The newsletter and website are our last lines of defense. We're being censored and deplatformed. It's nearly impossible to find Geopolitics and Empire on the Google search engine. We've been blacklisted. YouTube frequently takes down our videos with strikes, Facebook restricts our page, Reddit and Twitter take down posts, and after the Associated Press mentioned Geopolitics and Empire in a 2021 article co-written with NATO, our Patreon account was terminated. Vimeo also terminated our Pro account. The best free way to help Geopolitics and Empire is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere and subscribe to all of our media channels. You can find the video broadcast now on five platforms, Odyssey, Rockfin, Rumble, BitChute, and Brighteon. You can find the audio broadcast on the podcast ecosystem, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, and so on. My current favorite social media channels are Twitter and Telegram, but you can also find us on Gab, MeWe, Minds, Float, VK, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Finally, Geopolitics and Empire is in dire need of funding to continue. You can leave a donation, purchase a consultation with the host, or become a member to receive additional benefits. We also produce a weekly broadcast called Dissident Thinker for members and Rockfin subscribers only. 
We will continue to fight the good fight come hell or high water. Thank you for listening.